God, may the words of my lips and the collective meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Be with our brother Jim and the medical team that will be taking care of him. God, as our call to worship says this morning, do not be afraid. We give this time to you. Amen. Change happens, doesn't it? All of our lives, we have to accommodate the changes that life requires. Many of these changes are good, of course. An eight-month-old eight adapts to its new surroundings when she discovers that she can crawl and the world is a brand new place. Or, at the other end of life's spectrum, change requires a different kind of adaptation. When an old man's family says, Dad, we've talked, and we are all in agreement that it is no longer safe for you to drive. And then suddenly, life becomes more confining. Change, even good change, requires adapting, and adapting produces anxiety. And anxiety is another word for fear. Abraham, or Abram, as he is still being called in the scripture verses we read earlier, had faced one change after another. We first meet Abram in Genesis chapter 11, when God calls him to leave his home and everything that is familiar to him and to move with his wife and his nephew and their entire household, animals and servants included, to Canaan, which was a land that they knew almost nothing about. Have you ever wondered about what this conversation must have been like? when Abram announced to Sarai that God told him to move everybody to Canaan, no travel brochures, no Google Maps. Maybe wives were different back then, but the wives Jim knows, and the one that Jim is married to, would have wanted to have some say in this matter. But arriving in Canaan did not end the changes that they faced. More adjustments were required, and when a famine required moving to Egypt, where Abram didn't handle the change well, or the changes that were brought on by a dispute that split the family, or the attack on his family by armed men who carried some of Abram's family off as slaves, or even when Abram went after them and overpowered them and rescued his family. Abram and his family faced one change after another, so much so that he seems at this point to be understandably a little nervous and wary of any kind of new change. Maybe you can relate to Abram. Change can be scary, even if it is good change. Change can be scary. As human beings, we are fearful beings. Very early in childhood, we begin to fear that as a parent who leaves our sights, that maybe they are gone for good. We call this separation anxiety, and I know some of you are facing it right now. Children experience fears that maybe they are insignificant to adults, but they are, these fears are very, very real for children. In our teen years, it is typical to be afraid of not being liked or accepted by those who we want to like and accept us. And we continue to carry these fears, both rational and irrational, into adulthood. 
Fear is not limited to a particular time in our life, is it? Young and old, single or married, female or male, northern hemisphere or southern, middle east, far west, it makes no difference. We are all sometimes afraid, aren't we? So as I have said, Abram was fearful. Things were out of control and unpredictable. He didn't know what was going to happen to him or the people he loved, and so he was fearful. Not only that, he was afraid that he and Sarai would never have the child and the family that they have dreamed about for so many years. Remember the words from Genesis that we heard read earlier. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Do not be afraid. Fear is not necessarily a bad thing, of course. It makes us cautious of our surroundings, like when we're crossing a street or jogging through a park. Our fears can protect us, but they can also confine us. We are fearful, and if we let our fears inhabit us, they also inhibit us. A fear of flying limits what a person can experience and the places that they can go. We fear rejection and abandonment, failure, insufficiency, the unknown. We don't have enough time to list all of the things that we fear, do we? And apparently, Abram's fear was limiting what God intended to do through Abram. At this point, we have to ask, if God says, don't be afraid, but I'm afraid anyway, does that mean that I am a substandard Christian? If so, we are in very great company with all of us. So we have to ask, when God says, don't be afraid, is God issuing a command, or is God simply saying that we can abandon our fears because they are ultimately unnecessary? that we don't have to worry because ultimately God has everything under control. We see from our focal verse today that God says to Abram, you do not have to be afraid. I am your shield. If we were to put this into today's language, it would be like God is saying, I've got your back. Further, God says, I've prepared a reward for your faithfulness. You will not die childless as you fear. The reward that awaits is far beyond anything you can imagine. So does this mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us because God is our shield and God has our back? Obviously not. We know from experience that bad things happen even to the most faithful and committed Christians. So then does this scripture apply to only Abram and Sarai and not to us? Given the number of times the phrase, do not be afraid, is used in the Bible, I think it is impossible for us to believe that this message of having no fear doesn't apply to us. On the internet, there is a popular myth that says the phrase, fear not or do not be afraid, appears 365 times in the Bible, one for every single day. And while this is a comforting thought, the reality is that the message appears, depending on which English translation you are using, this phrase appears only about half the number of times, as this internet myth says. But this is still significant, 
And we saw in our call to worship this morning that this message is consistent throughout scripture. Your fears are unnecessary. If you doubt this, allow yourself to engage in this exercise. If some great fear has a hold of you, has you in its possession, ask yourself, what's the worst that could happen? And after each answer, ask the question again. And if you keep asking this question as Christians, we ultimately will find ourselves in heaven, according to Christ's promise. And so if the worst that could happen is that eventually we end up in heaven with Christ and with God, what are we afraid of? I think it's because as humans, we tend to have such limited vision and understanding. We act as if the life on this planet is all that there is. And so anything that interferes with that or threatens life as we know it frightens us. But God's vision is not limited by time or space. God sees eternally in the direction that we call the past and eternally into what we call the future. C.S. Lewis points out that it's not correct to say that God sees the past or the future because time is an invention that we as humans have created. Past and future are all part of God's present tense. Pastor Rob Bell famously spoke in one of his books about two trees. At the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter 2, the tree of life is in the middle of the Garden of Eden. And in Revelation chapter 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, the tree of life is in the middle of the heavenly city. All of human existence, the entire creation, takes place between these two trees. From creation until Christ comes again, however millions or billions of years that might be, it all happens between these two trees. But God was forever before the first tree in the garden and will be forever beyond the second tree in heaven. C.S. Lewis says, strictly speaking, God never foresees. God simply sees. Your future is only an area of God's infinite now. So God being eternal knows that our fears are unnecessary because awaiting us is a reward stretching forever and ever. So coming full circle, we return to common fears like starting school or heading back to college or beginning a new job or facing a change to something that we're used to. And it is only anxious, it is only natural to be anxious at such times. And so psychologists tell us that we can do some things to help. And so if you are a parent in the room and you have a younger child, you will have to take the lead in some of these exercises. But if you're doing them for yourself, here are some things that you can do to help. First, remind yourself that don't be afraid of being afraid. Don't be afraid of being afraid. Your fears are natural. Second, don't be afraid to talk about being afraid. When we are afraid to speak our fears, they assume irrational and gargantuan proportions. When we talk about them, our fears are still real, but they become a little more irrational. 
Or if you are a parent, encourage your child to talk about the things that might frighten them and listen to what they have to offer. The third thing, face your fears. When the, visit the school, and maybe meet your teacher if you're heading back to school this week. I think you all probably did that last week with Open House. Or if you're heading to a new place and going into a new job, can you show up a little bit early and kind of familiarize yourself with the territory? Do what you can to prepare yourself as much as you can so that you can face your fears head on. It takes some of the scare out of what we know to expect. Fourth, rely on your family, your friends, and your church to be there for you. I remember when Nicholas Jones, a rising third grader, decided that he would not return to school in the fall. He was very confident in his decision. I'm just not going to go. Nothing his mother or father could say could change his outlook, but he was adamant. He was desperate to not return to school. And so his parents, who were equally as desperate as Nicholas was, they made an appointment, and we sat and we talked for a while, Nicholas and I, and we played. And as we were playing, we just discussed what it was that he was afraid of. And the more that we talked about it, the more Nicholas's fear became smaller and smaller until it was manageable. And the more we talked, it went from being manageable to getting smaller and smaller until Nicholas had conquered his fear altogether. There are people who love you and are, who are there for you. So if you are feeling afraid, know that you do not have to face your fears alone. We are here for you. And finally, remember that God's got your back. God loves you completely, just as you are, and will always be there to be your shield and to journey with you as you go. Here again, these words from God. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you, and yes, I will hold you up with my righteous hand. May it be so. Amen.